Being an entrepreneur can be lonely. That's why I joined the Bra Network. That's the Business Relationships Alliance. Just like a good bra, the Bra Network lifts, gathers, and connects you to other like-minded entrepreneurial women with the knowledge that when we work together, we rise together. For me, the Bra Network provides the community, mentorship, collaboration, and empowerment I was looking for. From business, marketing, and finance courses to curated events to weekly Zoom meetups, the Bra Network works to advance women across the country. If you haven't joined, now's the time. Use your special code, WARRIOR, for your discount and join today at bra-network.com. That's bra-network.com. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. One of the most powerful journeys I think we all go on is one of self-acceptance. Radical self-acceptance means that You are making conscious choices that are not based on fear, but on the highest version of you. The more you you are, the better, right? Today's guest has been on that journey and learned to embrace her unique, magical gifts, even in the face of tragedy. Her story will touch your heart, and her wisdom through grief is beautiful. Today, we're going to learn where real magic lies, and what it really takes. Let's get into it. But first, our fabulous sponsor. It's not easy for mothers of young children to get in that political door. Here are the depressing facts to prove it. At the start of 2020, only 26 Congress seats are held by moms with children under 18. That's 5% of our legislators. In total, there are 131 women sitting in the Senate and House seats, comprising of less than 24% of Congress. About 88% of women become mothers by the age of 44 in the U.S., yet despite making up such a large segment of the population, they make up the smallest number in our federal government. Imagine the political landscape if elected seats were filled by qualified, hardworking moms who know what firsthand the majority of Americans endure day to day, raising the children of our future. Moms in Office endorsed and supported over 20 women during the 2020 election cycle. You can support Moms in Office by going to momsinoffice.org. Let's get those moms running for office. So today, my guest is Rachel Lang. Rachel is also my neighbor. She's a professional astrologer and a psychic medium, which fascinates me to no end. I just was telling Rachel that if I was married to her, I would be the most annoying wife she could have because I would be like, now what's happening, Rachel? How's my moon in the seventh house? What's happening to me? I'd be like driving her bananas. Anyway, I was already telling her that. but I So I would have had her on the podcast either way, but I really wanted to have her on the show because she had faced a a really huge tragedy in her life with such grace and openness. And it really compelled me to reach out to this warrior and have her on the show today. So Rachel holds a master's degree in theology from Loyola Marymount University. She serves as the vice president of the Los Angeles chapter of the National Council for Geocosmic Research or NCGR. I didn't even know that 
existed, Rachel. I'm amazed. And she teaches classes on astrology, psychic mediumship, and working with magic, which I think we all need magic in our lives, Rachel. So we all need you, obviously. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've been so excited because, you know, the, the subject of your show, Warrior Women, is something that just speaks to my heart. I consider myself, I, if anyone knows astrology, warriors associated with your sign, Aries. And, <laughs> and my sign is Libra, which is associated with peace. But in order to reach those levels, in order to be a peacemaker, I think you have to be a warrior. And so I've spent a lot of my life and a lot of my life challenges have been about facing conflict and moving into it gracefully and overcoming obstacles and and really accessing that that warrior inside. Yes. Well, that's why you're here today. So I'm really excited. I know you as my neighbor and wife of my friend. But now I'm really going to get to, now we're really going to do this, Rachel. Okay. So I want to start at the beginning. I like to really go deep. Tell me about, I can't even imagine what is an astrologer like growing up? Like, (laughs) but what was your life like when you were a little girl? What did you want to be? Or was there any kind of window into like what you're doing now? Were you like giving psychic readings at six? Please tell me you were. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was. No, when I was little, I wanted to be an actor and a writer. And that's, I wanted to be an actress and I wanted to be a writer. That's it. But, you know, my parents were really, really Christian and they were in this like- Catholic, you said. Catholic, yeah, yeah. Like uber Catholics, yeah. Yeah, but there's a sect within the Catholic, like this branch of the Catholic church, this little subset of evangelical Catholics. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Who like pray in tongues and have prophetic messages and do these incredible healings and, and they get together and have these conferences. So I was raised in that tradition. So because I was raised in that tradition, it was totally normal for me to see angels and talk to angels is what, you know, what we thought or have received prophetic messages. Wow. So I always was in touch with my spiritual gifts. Yeah. That is. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, it was, no, because it was, that's not what normal like kids are thinking about. Let me just say, I was trying to think about if my like tree torns were going to match my like stripe on the side of my short shorts. Like that's what I was thinking about, Rachel. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was not thinking about angels and if I could talk to them. So that <laughs> is definitely interesting. <laughs> right. I like, I like that you were thinking about that. So you thought you would be a writer and an actor, but you also came out as gay at a time where I'm sorry, nobody was doing what they're doing now, which is every third second my child comes home and says, my friend's bisexual, they are gay. And I'm like, amazing. And they're like, isn't that cool? I'm like, it is so cool. Like, wow, how far we have come. But you did not have that kind of welcoming experience, I don't think. So tell me about that experience. Yeah, I mean, I knew pretty early in my life and I officially came out my freshman year in college. So I was like 19, 18, 19, somewhere in that range. And my parents didn't go so well. My parents didn't really approve of it. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out like, and because I'm, you know, because I wear lipstick, because I look a certain way, you know, they tried to convince me that it was in my imagination and that it was in my head. And for a long time, I, I, I went along with it. I thought, you know what, they're probably right. I didn't know a lot of lesbians and I definitely didn't know any lesbians who looked like me. And so I thought, yeah, you know, okay, maybe I'll, I'll try to, to be straight. And so I really spent a number of years because I didn't have that, that initial acceptance. 
I spent a number of years really trying to figure out who am I? So I came out and then I kind of like went back in and yeah, then, you came out and went back in. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and it wasn't until I was 30 that I really, really just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And so, yeah. So then I, I came back out again. So <laughs> that closet that, door was swinging open and closed. Yeah. But this is interesting, right? If you think about that now, now nobody could tell you anything, right? Like now you really know yeah. who you are. Like the fact that they, yeah. they could say, I don't know, Rachel, I don't know if you really know yourself is, is really an, that is a completely messed up thing. If you think about that, telling somebody they don't know themselves, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's very confusing to have somebody you love tell you, oh no, you're, you're wrong about you. That's not yeah. who you are. And I think a lot of women actually have that. They have a parent or a mother or a father or a sister or a brother who says, that's not you. That's not you. You're not that person. And then you have this little, little person inside that says, I think that is me. <laughs> right? Yes. So what did you, yeah. like, how did you even, was it because they were Catholic? What, what, what do you think their big problem? What, was it going to be embarrassing for them? Like, what was it? For them, you know, my parents are are really wonder, wonderful people. So, and I think this was come kind of happening this a long time. time ago. Hello, yeah, this was in the '90s. This was happening at a time before, like you said, before things were really accepted. And I don't think they really. I think that they were, you know, definitely there was a religious aspect to their struggle with it. But I think they also, you know, they they were concerned that, and this is this tells you a lot about the night about that time period. They were concerned that I wouldn't have enough money because at the, you know, the the framework was that, you know, women needed men for survival, or they were afraid I wasn't, I was gonna, I wasn't gonna be able to be hired anywhere, that I would be alienated, that I would be outcast. They were afraid that I would have a hard life. And so I think that they were trying to convince me that if I could pass for straight, I should pass for straight. And I think that they were well-intentioned, but you know, it was really hard to feel a sense of alienation from my family, feel that sense of difference. And then at the same time, you know, really wrestle to figure out who am I? So self-acceptance has been a big theme in my life. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. For that, for that 10 years, so you told them, right? Mm-hmm. You were 20. For that 10 years, did you kind of just like push yourself to like date men or, were you, or, you, or could you not even do it? And you were like, forget it. Like, what did you, how did you get through those 10 years? And what made you suddenly say, okay, forget this. Like, this is ridiculous. Was it your age or you met somebody or like what happened? Yeah, well, at so everyone goes through an astrological transit at 29, between 29 and 30 years old. An astrological transit? <laughs> I love this term. Yeah, yeah. So what happens at, at like in your 29th year is that the planet Saturn moves back to the same place it was at the time of your birth. And yeah, yeah. So this happens to everyone and it happens right before your 60th birthday as well. And usually what happens is we kind of take the reins of our lives and we realize what's ours and what's our families, what's our culture. And so in the process of that, many of us kind of come into our own. And and it's a time of growing up. If you know anyone who's turning 30, you know that they're making their big life decisions, having children, get buying a house, starting their amazing career or like falling apart and having to pick, pick themselves back up again. It's a big turning point astrologically. Yeah. And so I reached my Saturn return and I was like, you know, I've been living in many ways. I've been living my life in half measures, trying to please other people, 
trying to negate myself, trying to talk myself out of my own desires, my own spirituality, my sexuality, all of these things. And I, I couldn't do it anymore. I realized that I couldn't survive. I, I was, I was, I, you know, have you read Eat, Pray, Love by any chance? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Who hasn't? Yeah. Um, the movie, so I, yeah. Done all the things. Read all the things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So it was right uh, around my 29th birthday or right, right in that time when I listened to the audiobook on a road trip and I had a meltdown in my car, in my, my Volkswagen Jetta. I pulled over to the side <laughs> of the road and I was crying and sobbing. And I, I was a like- Jetta meltdown. <laughs> it was a Jetta, Jetta meltdown. You had a mega Jetta meltdown. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that was the beginning of a really beautiful and hard dark night of the soul that ended up, you know, where I really had to get honest with myself about a lot of things in my life. And I took kind of a wrecking ball to my entire life. I was married to a wonderful man, just a wonderful man. And the marriage wasn't perfect. You know, there were aspects of it that were challenging, I like quit my job. I left my husband. I mean, it was hard. One of the things that I love about this new generation of children is that they're not going to have to suffer the way that many other generations did. Because what causes our suffering is feeling like we have to hide who we are, is being out of alignment with our truth. Yeah, yeah. And the more we align to our truth, the more we avoid those catastrophic life events. I mean, we can't avoid all catastrophic life events, but I think it gives us the power to make conscious choices that are based in courage and not based in fear. Yeah. I mean, you know what they call that? Because I, I there's one of my favorite things that Tony Robbins always says is he says, you know, if you want you get yourself to really do something, burn the boats. <laughs> Have you heard that before? <laughs> I haven't heard that. Okay. Before. So like, think about that, right? Uh-huh. You're island. And you want to get something done, uh-huh. burn the boats. You burn the boats. There's no way off. There's no way on. So you basically, you, you, you get, gave up the husband. You're like, you took a wrecking ball. You burned all the boats so that there was only one <laughs> way for you to go, which was your actual true self and yeah. being you, right? Like, but you did that for yourself. Like you were like, no, like you just burned, you burned every boat there was. Right. Right. I did. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. I'm glad for that because no matter what age it is, I feel like, you know, realizing you're not going to live for somebody else or realizing you're not going to live somebody else's version of whatever you are is, can you, I mean, what a waste, right? Like we want everyone to be themselves. <laughs> Otherwise right. the world would be the most, most boring place in the world. But we're all just trying to be these people that somebody else wanted us to be. So I'm, I'm, I love your story. Okay, so you, I, this is this is another question I have for you. When you decided to become an astrologist, I'm fascinated by you. Can you tell? When you decided <laughs> to become an astrologist, did people think you were nuts? Like, what, what did you? Were you afraid to even speak these words out loud? Because this again was not at a time where it was like cool to be an astrologist, and people were like thinking that an astrologist is like a lady, like a lady gypsy lady. That's like you know what I mean. Like I don't even know what they thought it was, but. How did you give yourself permission to be yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. It was because I came out. I mean, I recamped. This was this happened. At, I, I started my astrology practice at thirty as well. So that that was part of the wrecking ball. And when I announced that I was going to be an astrologer, there were a lot of people who really thought I had gone off the deep end. 
you know, I was doing this, I was living in Nashville at the time, which Nashville has this really great underground community of spiritual light workers, but it's also the buckle of the Bible belt. Fortunately, I think what got me through those few years was this strong community of powerful women. And they were spiritual healers. They were mystics. They were acupuncturists. Um, Tisha was one of those people. And, um, you know, Elizabeth, are you familiar with Elizabeth Lesser? With um, She wrote Broken Open and the most recent book, Cassandra Speaks. I, You know what? I've heard of her, but I have not read it. But I've okay. heard it. Okay. I, um, I was just taking a class with her and she talked about how we need womances. So you know how guys have bromances? Yes. Like those strong French... She talks about how we need womances. We need like female, like really strong female friends who are part of our transformation story. And that community of women and some men too, but like they were my core girls. They were the ones who walked me through and helped me to to stay focused on the path of truth, the path of truth that I was beginning to walk on. It, they, they helped me stay focused on that at the times when the other path was a lot easier and a lot more stable and a lot more predictable. And, and, and it was very tempting yeah. to, to choose like that, you know, the road less traveled yeah. was, 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 was much more difficult. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine. <laughs> so what was, so Tisha, your, your now wife, who I love, who I, who I is an amazing writer and a writing coach and helps you publish your books. I love her. My friend Tanya and I are doing her class together. We're like doing our little writing our books and we're being accountability partners doing her little class together. But so she was in this group of warrior women that you had. So that's so Uh that's how you that's how you met, I'm assuming. Yes. But we were we were both in other relationships. Like we were we were completely in the friend zone. And with the first, the first time I met her, there was something about her. I was like, Ooh, I like, I really like this person, but it wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't in a place where it could be romantic. I mean, she, she, I was meeting her around the same time when I was like trying to, 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 to follow a new path, like reinventing my whole, my whole self. And so we, we were friends and, but she was like one of those, you know, how you have friends who you're like, every time you see them, you just feel like all warm and gooey inside. You're like, Oh, I love seeing you. I love being with you. And she was one of those friends who I just couldn't wait to see. And yeah. then later I realized like, oh, I think I've, I think I've been in love with you. <laughs> Maybe that's what that was. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Maybe that was what that was. Okay. So uh-huh. you met her, but how, how long have you been together? You and Tisha. And I want to know what she's kind of taught you about love because you, here you are, you're living someone else's life for the, all these years. Then you take a wrecking ball, you burn all the boats to, to, to be who you are, you're going to be an, you're, you're going to be a gay astrologist. Let's, let's go. Hello. I'm going to ring every bell that makes people feel crazy right now. And I'm going to be myself. So tell me about how long you've been together, like what kind of what you guys are like and what she, what has she taught you about love? Okay. So we started dating in 2016. It was a full moon. It was the Taurus full moon um, (laughs) in 2016 on November 14th. And this was after like, you know, we had kind of flirted and kind of, we'd sort of dated a little bit before that. And then I freaked out and then she freaked, then she, when I kind of left and then I, then we got back together, I freaked out. So we, we had like these little, like we kind of like went back and forth and then we got married in 2018. 
the thing that she's taught me the most about love, first of all, she's the kind of person who is just full of integrity. She just, you know, she seems like the truest person. And she's also like very calm, Rachel. Like when I'm with her, I feel like nuts because I am like out of a cannon and Uh she is like chill to the point where I'm like, am I still talking? Like, am I still talking? (laughs) She's like, she's just looking at me with this like sense of peace on her face. Like she's kind of getting a kick out of me, but she's like, this girl's crazy. Oh, no, no. She loves you. She's like a big fan of yours. In fact, she she was talking about you uh, as I was walking down to do uh, to do this conversation. She's like, oh, my gosh, you're going to have the best. Actually, you're right. She's calm. So she doesn't say I would say, oh, my gosh, you're going to have the best time. I have so much fun. She would say, you're really going to enjoy that conversation. (laughs) Yeah, very calm. Um, But, you know, she's going to enjoy that. That's going to be beneficial to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is good because. It's a nice balance. Yes. But but she's actually taught me the importance of being present. And, and that's one thing she is so good at. When she's talking to you, you can feel that she is just, every ounce of her attention is right there. And her presence allows, I think, and her focus gives her so much. I mean, it's helped. It's it, it's made her the success that she is. You know, when she puts her mind to something, she puts everything into it. And she's really good with boundaries, which is something I'm here to learn. So, you know, boundaries with time, boundaries with space. And I need three hours and 20 minutes to do this thing. I, you know, I don't want to go to that party. Um, she's like very clear about her preferences, what she wants, what she doesn't want. And she's really taught me how to experience intimacy because her presence is what gives her her the ability to sit with, with you or with me or with anyone she's with and really, and and like every every conversation, every everything can become a, a sacred experience when you bring your full presence to something and she's yeah, really- no, she is like that. You're so right. Yes. That's ex- I mean, you're, I mean, of course you're married to her, you know her so well, but it is, I, I try to figure out what it is about her, but she's like, she looks at you and she's just like sitting, just deeply being with you to the point where you're like, it's almost like you can see her like heart in her eyes. Yeah. That makes a, sense. Yeah. That's a perfect way of describing describing her. Absolutely. Like, I feel like she just doesn't have one untrue bone in her damn body. Like, you know, she's not just who she is and just deeply present. So that's, that's amazing. And that's a good, that is a good thing for you because I mean, I don't know. I imagine that you, you can really like, you know, go be uh, maybe, maybe higher energy or maybe more kind of like up in the clouds and she's sort of like down and just being cool. And so then you can go all over the place and she's just like down there. Cool. Yep. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. You called I it. <laughs> I love that. All right. I want to know, we, I kind of alluded to this when I was introducing you, but so what blows my mind, I'm going to try to not like, be a big crybaby right now, Rachel, already, already I'm tearing up. The way you handled the death of your baby daughter, it, I told everyone about it because you posted on Facebook. First of all, the last time I talked to Tisha, I'm waiting for this baby. Like, in fact, she was like, once the baby comes, then maybe I'll coach you with your writing. And I was like, okay, well, have this baby so I can have my coach. And she was telling me, like, and she, I remember when she mentioned, like, oh, we're going to get pregnant. Like, we're going to have a, we're going to try to get pregnant soon. And I was like, amazing. That's great. So when I saw your post on, 
on Facebook that you had lost her. I was beside myself. I couldn't even imagine how you were feeling. So of course I had to text <laughs> Tisha and be like, I love you. I I not I don't know you the most. Like, I'm sure you have better friends than me, but I can I please bring food to your house? That's the only thing I think I could do. And when she came outside and she brought me those two beers that said Stella and said this was her name, I lost my mind, Rachel. Oh, yeah. And I just the way you have handled this, I just want to, there's so many people who have had such tragic losses and so many people I've had on this podcast that have told me stories that have just literally ripped my heart to shreds, mm -hmm. but your story just like, it, it kills me. It really does. Mm -hmm. You know, just really from one mother to another, it kills me. So I just want to know just for our audience, like how, how have you been able to kind of frame that up for yourself or have any peace around it? Or, or just, I just want to know. Yeah. And, and what happened really? What happened? Yeah. Thank you. If you, if you want to tell us. Yeah. And thank you so much for the dinner you brought us. That was really, it was delicious first of all, but also it was just the, the love that people showed us during that time was so touching. The hardest thing I've ever been through. And I've been through some really hard things in my life. Um, now I'm going to try to not to cry. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard not to. So we went to the doctor's appointment it was 39 weeks and we had a scheduled C-section that, that week. Um, I just turned 39 weeks and we, our C-section, I'd planned it astrologically. It was scheduled for that Thursday. And on Monday night, I, um, and, and the doctor's appointment a couple of days before showed that she had a great heartbeat. She was perfectly fine. She had a, a nuchal cord, uh, the umbilical cord around her neck. And, uh, and the doctors all said, you know, this is totally typical. This happens. Yeah, I was going to say that happens a lot, actually. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. Nothing's, nothing's wrong. But inside I, I, I knew I, I felt I, I felt this this anxiety that I couldn't put into words. And so on Monday night, I, I woke up and I knew something was wrong. And so we went to the hospital and um, yeah, and she uh, she uh, didn't have a heartbeat. So so there, and it was the cord. Yeah. Yeah. But I see that's so confusing to me because a lot of babies are born like Landon. My son was born with the cord around his neck five times. Not or three, it was three or three or five times. I can't remember how many times, but uh, hello, a lot of times. He out, he also came out in distress. I should say, uh -huh. he came out in distress and has had, you know, he almost died. I mean, there was a lot going on. But I've heard many stories with with babies with the cord around their neck. So I'm 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 mystified as to if are they sure that that was the only thing, or they don't know, or yeah, that that was the only problem that they saw. I mean, everything else checked out. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was a, I mean, it was kind of, we were all shocked. Yeah. Uh, all, all of us were, I mean, none, I mean, none of us expected this. It was, I mean, it was, we had a, we had a healthy baby and she was moving around and kicking and everything just hours before. So I really don't know. Um, yeah. We still have a lot of questions about it. Yeah. Um, How were you? able to gracefully handle that the way you did and how how are you today and how do you kind of make peace with all of that it's it's really um it's really been hard you know there for the first few months there were days when I just didn't I couldn't get out of bed it was and I you know I had a I had a I'm 
I had a book deadline. Um, the, I mean, I, I was planning on like finishing my book while I was nursing and taking my maternity leave. And, and so I had to like pull through and, and actually writing my book and connecting with the people who were showing us so much love throughout that time and so much care like you it's it's community that 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 brought brought us through also my work um you know I had friends who would come over just out of the blue or call and check on us my family was here for a couple of weeks it you know it was those were the things that that helped me that helped me stay present and not like fall into grief and in a you know, in a way that would, that would render me unfunctional. But, you know, people don't talk about with stillbirths, you, you know, for women, for women, we were going through postpartum at the same time. Yes. And nursing, like, you know, milk is coming in, like all those things that, that women go through in that fourth trimester we're going through, but there's no baby to hold. So that desire, I mean, it's a biological desire to want to hold, to want to touch skin to skin and to want to hear your baby cry. I mean, it's like a biological urge. And, and so that was another piece of that too, is that the biology of the loss was compounding the grief. So it was, um, it was very painful. I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's just, it's, you know, my, my work is, is actually, I think what has carried me through. The book I was writing, so when we, we were trying to get, we were trying to start a family for four years before, before we conceived Stella. And, um, and, you know, we had faced a number of setbacks and, you know, things not working. And I had to have a couple, it was, it was very, it was a long journey. Yeah. And, and throughout that journey, I actually started, I started writing a book called Modern Day Magic. Cause I, I realized like the, my process of, of, of infertility, it had become a head, head process. Like I yes. was thinking my way through it and like going to acupuncture and doing all the things and I realized that, no, this needs to be a spiritual process. And so I started working with magic in a very intentional way, like doing rituals, making my everything in my life a ritual experience. And actually on that, that uh, the Saturday before Stella was, was, was born, I finished the last words of my book. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wrote the end. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yes. Wow. So her, her voice is in every word in that book. Yeah. Her light is in every word of that book. Her life inspired that book. And then after she passed, I went back and rewrote several chapters, like four or five chapters, because I had learned so much more about magic through the loss of her and how, you know, people use magic to get what they want to manifest things. People use spirituality to get what they want. And that's not what it is. Spirituality, any kind of spiritual growth, any kind of mystical experience that we have is supposed to really deepen us so that we experience our God self, that we experience ourselves as being connected with everyone and with the earth and with the, the, the elements of the earth, with the cosmos, that we experience ourselves not as individuals who are separate, living separate lives, but as one with all. And there's nothing like grief or painful breakup or loss or, you know, things didn't work out this way that that pulls us into those experiences. And there's a transformation that happens with us, a, a growth process that happens. And so I think, 
you know, um, I think that whole journey has really taught me so much so that I can then help others who are going through similar things. I mean, your level of experience of loss and of, I mean, your whole life, your warrior life, really, you are just such a gift for people who, you know, are struggling. You really are. I'm, just, I'm so impressed by you. I just, I have to stop boohooing now, Rachel. My God. <laughs> Me oh. too. <laughs> but that's a really interesting concept that you're right. People do use magic or they use even astrology, frankly, yeah. to be like, I want to make a million dollars. I want it. But yeah. you're, what I think you're saying is that the deeper work, the real work is really getting to that divine place in yourself and living that, that divine purpose and life. That is really what you should be seeking through this magic. Now, if you happen to make a million dollars in the process, fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I am here cheering you on for your million dollar manifestation. <laughs> like, yeah. that can be happening. That's okay. Absolutely. Hey, I've tried that too. And, uh, uh, you know, like, but yes, there. So I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue our wants and our desires. What I'm saying that the pursuit of those wants and our, those desires leads us to a spiritual end. And we never know what that end is going to be or what it's going to look like. And we can achieve spiritual evolution and spiritual growth through joy as much as we can through grief. So that's an important piece, too. I think so many of us, especially women, are taught to, like, suppress our joy or, like, our passion or, nope, you know, that you're, it, it's like pleasure can be thought of as bad or, you know, temptation or things like And the more we pursue our joy unabashedly, unashamedly, the more we can embody our warrior selves. Yeah. I, I mean, my God, I feel like I'm, I understand that more than anyone starting a podcast at 50. And now it's so funny. People are like, you're really living your best life. I was like, oh yes, I have found this thing. And also I think in different stages of your life, right? Like I think people, people think these are midlife crises. They're actually not. They're like reinvention crises. Like we want to reinvent. We want to change. We want to burn all the boats so we can like put ourselves. And I did that. I, I did it at 49. I burned all the boats. So by the time I turned 50, I was like, I had changed almost every single thing. Wow. And that, and then when the podcast came into being, it was like, oh, this is because I was brave enough to burn the boats. Here's what that manifested like, right? Like I didn't know the podcast was going to be what it has been for me, which has been things like this, getting to have these conversations like with you where we're learning and training and connecting. And what a gift, by the way, during COVID when it was like the opposite was happening, right? There was like, there was no, you felt like you were just trapped and alone looking at the same person in your house. You're like, Tisha, it's me again. Hi, good morning. You know, <laughs> it was nice yeah. to be able to meet women from across the country and talk to them. And what was your life? And you know, what's happening with you? That has been the biggest gift of my life. But I want to know how can people work with you? Kind of how do you work with people? Number one. And also like, tell me a little bit more. When's this book coming out? What's next? I need to know all the things. Okay. Um, people can work with me in a number of ways. I teach classes and I'm starting mentorship groups for anyone who's wanting to develop their spiritual gifts. And then I also do one-on-one -on -one sessions. And those are, I, I can, I do a combination of astrology. I can do some psychic mediumship and those are, are really fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I also do, I mean, I, I, I am developing some new uh, things. I'm actually starting a, a, pro, a project called Rituals with Rachel. 
And yeah, yeah. And it's um, and so this is this is gonna be on IG live every Friday. And uh, and so we'll be doing these rituals. I'm teaching, I'm 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 helping people to access their spiritual spirituality in their everyday lives and 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 make magic a part of their everyday lives, like you said at the very beginning of this. We need more of that. We need more oh god, yes, hope and faith and magic and possibilities. We do. But Patty and I started meditating. Well, Patty, actually forget it. Patty's been meditating. I shouldn't even put her in the same category with me, who I just started five hot seconds ago. But this meditation thing has been kind of magical because it really like sets my whole day up. So I'm, I'm now thinking, talking to you right now, I'm thinking, huh, maybe you have some things to teach me that even take it beyond that things I can do rituals like you're talking about to kind of bring myself into alignment and all of that, because I feel, I feel like when I, especially when I show up to these podcasts, I'm very in alignment and I'm in alignment, I'm present, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go around the rest of the day being my best self. This is sort of my best moment, Rachel. You're getting the best of me right now. I don't know how it's going to go later, (laughs) but I like that idea. And what is your book? What's the name of your book that's coming out? My book is modern day magic. And and when's that coming? It's coming out in the fall. Okay. So we've got a little bit more time, but okay. I'm, I'm well, really I'm hoping excited. you're going to have like a book launch party or something. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. going to be sure. there, whether it's Zoom or in person, because I live down the street. Hello. <laughs> okay. Well, I love it. All right. We're on to the speed now, speed round now. It's party time. All you, right. You've I'm already ready. You've earned it after telling all these things. <laughs> okay. Cocktail of choice. Red wine. Oh, red wine. What kind? Yeah. I like a good, oh, wow. I'm kind of an equal opportunity wine drinker. Okay. Um, You're not a cab drinker? Because I feel like a lot of red people are like, only cab. That's it. (laughs) I like cab. I like a good Bordeaux. I like a Rioja. I'm I'm an equal opportunity red wine drinker. You're a worldly red drinker. That's what you are. Worldly. Okay. What is a mantra or quote you live by? I'm sure you have 20 million, but pick one. I do. One I know. I think the one that comes up for me is uh, by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Oh, I like that. That's very astrologic of you. Astrologic. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. What makes you feel unstoppable? My good friends being like brainstorming conversations, like those kinds of conversations that you have with friends where you're like, oh my God, yes, yes. Those, so good friends, good friends. Yeah. I mean, we need friends in these times, don't we? Who do you admire? You know, I admire people who have overcome major obstacles and adversities and people who are just shining their light in the world. I think about like, I I just posted this morning on Instagram. I used to work with formerly incarcerated women. Back when I first got graduated from college, I was working on a book project with these women and telling their stories. And I admire how each one of them like basically triumphed over the odds that were, that were faced, that they were facing in their lives. And so stories like that, people like that, resilient individuals, those are the people I admire. Yeah. I mean, I love, I mean, I call those warriors. And so, you know, that's, that's all I, that's all I do is talk to warriors. And I, I, I'm, I, I always tell people, God loves a sinner. <laughs> Don't think that God loves the perfect ones. All right. Oh, God no. loves a story of redemption and a uh-huh. road and a triumph at the end. That's what God likes. Yep. <laughs> so yep. I love, I love, you know, when you, when people are talking about second chances and living, you know, I'm like, oh, please, you have 15 chances. You have a million chances. So right. There's always another chance. 
Exactly. <laughs> okay. What are you most proud of? I am most proud of the imposter syndrome just came up. No, I'm joking. Yes. You know, and I, shoot that right down. Please. Okay. I, I think I'm, I'm actually most proud. I'm most proud of my marriage, my, my marriage to Tisha. Yeah. Just everything that it took to get, to, to get, to open my heart enough to love in this way. And the way that we are constantly working to build one another up and working to improve our relationship dynamics. I am most proud of my ability to love and to receive love in that relationship. That is something to be proud of, for sure. It's very hard to receive like a deep love like that. It's mm-hmm. really, it is hard. And to say, I'm worth that, I am worthy of it, and I, I'm going to accept it mm-hmm. because I, I deserve it. <laughs> That's, that is a big, huge thing. What's exciting you the most right now? My book is exciting me and, you know, magic, working with magic, this is exciting me. And, and this new community that I'm, I'm forming with all these, the students who've taken my magic class, like I'm just loving the way that magic is out in the mainstream right now. So yeah. that's, magic that's is exciting. everything. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so down with your magic and this book and all the things. How about before we go, you give us one, I'm going to just shock you with a question that you didn't know was coming. Here we go. Give us one practical thing we can do, Rachel, to bring a little bit of magic into our lives. One practical thing we can do is that every time you are making dinner, that you think of your spoon, whatever you're stirring the pot with, think of your pot as a cauldron, think of your spoon as a, as a wand, as a magic wand, and stir in something for yourself or for your family, stir in something magical. And, and then as you're eating, really take that in. That is such a fun idea. And I'm going to tell my daughter that too, because when she's going to love that whole idea, because that is such a cute idea. I love that so much. That is a little magical. All right. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for doing this and sharing your amazing warrior story. And you, you have such an amazing journey. And I'm I'm most excited for you to see like what comes next for you, Mm -hmm. because I feel like all of this is leading you in a really purposeful, beautiful path somewhere. So I'm, I'm just excited to know you to see what happens. I feel like I've got a front row seat to this awesomeness. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I've, I've loved this conversation, loved having, loved being on your show. And uh, so thank you so much for, for inviting me to, to, to talk with you today. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody. And thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify if you enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye. Bye.